Welcome to the F4 Podcast, where faith, family, fun, and finance intersect for a purposeful life. I'm Travis, and with my wife, Rebecca, we are here to guide you on a journey towards financial peace and success. Join us as we explore the realms of personal finance, from saving and budgeting to investing and retirement planning. But we don't stop there. We'll also delve into the deeper meaning behind it all, how aligning our faith and finances can make a lasting impact on the kingdom of God. Get ready to transform your mindset, take control of your money, and become a catalyst for change. Let's dive in. Hi, on today's episode, we're going to talk about things we learned from our parents. We were very blessed with good teachers about money growing up, and our parents taught us some very valuable lessons. We want to share those with you. I'm sure some of these are common sense to most people, but some of them may not be. So hopefully you find some of these useful. We'll start out with um, what you learned from your parents about how to allocate the money that you received. And I know you kind of started out rudimentary because, you know, we were kids at that time. Yeah. And so you talk about what worked for you, and then I'll go into detail because mine was similar but a little different. Okay. So when I was a kid, we got an allowance, usually for doing chores. But even before that age, my dad started giving us money, and he had us set up little jars. One was 10% for tithes, 10% for savings, and... The rent, everything else went in the other jar. And so he just sort of, he would give us like four quarters, I think. And so one was more like savings, like an emergency fund. And one was like savings for fun things, I guess. And he would give us a dollar, but in quarters. And so before we learned what 10% was, we would put... I was like, yeah, the math's not checking out. No, it's not. But before we understood percents, we would put, he would show us, we could put one quarter in the tithe bucket, one quarter in the general savings and one in like, I want to buy something, don't have enough yet, whatever that would be, a toy or something. And then the other quarter we would keep and do whatever we wanted with. Okay. Probably lose it at that age. Sure. So for me, I did something very similar with that. My parents did teach me to give tithes at a very early age. I observed tithing and offering in church. And so I tried to give to both of those, especially to tithe. And so I did that, but I developed an envelope system, maybe not directly from my parents' teaching. That's probably more something I heard, like, from Focus on the Family Mm -hmm. and hearing that throughout my childhood, which was also a result of my parents playing godly radio programs, and so that helped. But I learned to do an envelope system, which is where you take the money that you have and you take say five, six, seven, could be 10 different envelopes, depending on how many different expense categories you have. And at that age, I didn't have very many. So like you, I would have done tithing and a savings and then a spending probably at that age. But as I got older, I started doing a specific envelope for eating out and a specific envelope for gas because I had to pay that specific envelope for car insurance once I started having to pay that. And then even further up the line, or you can apply this to your life today. Obviously, not everything can be paid cash, but the more things you can handle in cash, the easier it is to handle your money. In general, we um, studies show that people spend almost 100% more when they use a credit card than when they don't. I may be misstating the study, but the point is people tend to spend 
a lot more money if they're using credit cards than if they're using cash. So the envelope system allows you to be able to track your budget in real time because you're putting cash into different envelopes and you're able to then see it in a given moment how much money you have remaining budgeted for that category. And if you use cash for as many expenses as possible and track it that way, you are less likely to go over your budgeted amount because once the cash is gone, it's gone. And then you just have to either re-budget out of other envelopes if you're able or don't spend any more in that category. So that's a system that I highly recommend even if you're already further on in life. We learned it as kids, but it's beneficial for anyone. Where do you want to go next? So one thing my parents taught me almost indirectly was certain things aren't worth the cost, right? Sure. So, I mean, we've talked before about restaurant soda. We went out to eat. We always got water that we were taught that. And another thing that happened to be that kind of along the same lines of this as the soda restaurants was desserts. Whether we went out or not, we didn't have dessert all the time after like every dinner. And we were the same way growing up. Like I didn't have dessert every single meal, especially if we went to restaurants. You know, not that we never got dessert because we did. No, like for birthdays, we almost always would go out and get something at the restaurant. Mm. The birthday kid got to pick. Yeah. But yeah, and so I remember uh, having dinner with the another family who had three kids about the same age as me and my siblings. And after dinner, the other three children were like, okay, what's for dessert? And... Like it was just a given. Like it was a given. Like they just, dinner's done. Now let's, what are we having for dessert? And that's fair. Um, But that was a first for me and my siblings. All of us in shock, like, are you allowed to ask that? (laughs) Not like we weren't allowed to, but we were just like, you don't get dessert every time. Yeah. And we told them that and they're like, well, not every time, but mostly. And me and my siblings had not even known that was a culture that existed. Yeah, yeah. Because for them, it was just, that's how you do life. Yeah. Uh, And I guess the thing to learn from this is that either option is okay. There's nothing wrong with doing what you can afford. If you guys, as a family, decide that that having dessert is an experience that you want to enjoy and prioritize and budget for, go go for for it. it. Have fun if you can afford that. Yeah, like we eat a lot more dessert married than I ever did as a kid. Yeah, we probably do. (laughs) Probably more than I do. More than we should. Uh, You know. But budget-wise, we're good. Yes. So... But if you're in a position where you can't do that, don't beat yourself up. Like, that's okay. Teach your kids that, you know, it's okay to live that way or why you live that way. Um, My parents would tell me that, um, you know, those things cost money. And so sometimes we will get it and sometimes we won't. So I think that is a big, important part of learning as a kid. Um, Because being taught the why, like, behind the thing, even at a very young age, made a big difference. Yeah, like once I understood that my parents had a limited amount of money and they had to work for that and put effort in, Mm -hmm. it didn't bother me that I didn't get everything. Yeah. Now, obviously, we all have wants that we still want, but I wasn't, you know, expecting to get 
just anything asked for. Yeah. Anytime I asked my parents, like we asked, asked them why we only got water eating out because you could see other kids who didn't. And my dad just told us, he said, so does this much money versus water, which is free. And we can get soda at home for cheaper. And all of us were like, well, yeah, that just makes sense. Water's <laughs> And as far as the dessert thing, that was only a shock because we never thought to ask. Yeah. He would have given us a reason. He would have explained. And I was raised that way, too. Like, my dad worked at Pepsi, and so we had soda all the time. And it wasn't a big deal for us to not have it when we ate out because, you know, we yeah. could have it for much cheaper at home versus the restaurant. And so that's what we did. So one thing my dad taught me, uh, and I'm sure everybody's heard this, is that money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, that's a really common phrase. But what it's, what it's really teaching us is that you have to work for money. And therefore, it's important to think about when you're th determining what you want to spend on, is it worth the amount of work I have to do in order to earn the money I need to purchase this thing or this experience. That's an easy thing for me to save money is I just ask myself, would I want to work X amount of hours to get to do this? And if the answer is no, I don't do it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not worth it. I just can't afford to do that. Money doesn't grow in trees. Okay. And so I try to do that with everything that I spend on. I look at, you know, is it worth the time cost or the work effort cost yeah. that I'm trading off for. When I was young, my grandma taught me to count money. She taught me how to give change. So I became accustomed to handling money and learning just the basic math part of yeah. the equation, which is hard for some people to understand. It's um, a lot more fun when you learn it with money. Yeah. And it was cool because she got real money. So uh, the main thing I bring that up for is I think it is important to teach your kids about money, teach them how to count, teach them how to budget, you know, the envelope system or the jars or however you want yeah. to do that. It's good to educate your kids about money for lots of reasons, but it helps mainly to prepare them to be an adult. Yeah. Um, the point of raising kids isn't to raise good kids, it's to raise good adults. And so teaching them about money is one way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mom also taught me how to give change because she had worked in fast food and service industry for so long and had mentioned it one day that so many people today don't know how to count change. And this was back in like the nineties and early two thousands. And so I, I asked, I was like, well, what does that mean? How, how do you not know how to count change? I'm thinking like, if you have four quarters, it's a dollar. And so she showed me how to do it. And I mean, it was so simple and easy at the time, but had I had to learn that later without having all that experience with money, like you were mentioning, it probably would have been kind of intimidating. Well, and it is for the most part becoming an obsolete skill oh, because of, of technology and the fact that so many transactions aren't even done in cash. Yes. And so the skill is not really the important, the important thing. The important thing is that you're teaching your kids about money and sharing with them the importance of learning about it. So um, I, I mentioned earlier that before I was really at an age for chores, my dad would just like break up a dollar and teach us how to use money that way and save and things. But by the time, so my mom always said, that when she was five years old, her parents taught her how to make her own breakfast. 
cereal. She could hold a gallon jug of milk and she could pour it in all in a bowl. If she made a mess, she knew how to clean it up. And so that was about the age that my parents started into transitioning us into more independence, I think. And one of those things was that money was earned and it's hard to keep, but doesn't always go very far. And so transitioning out of that, like, here's how many work stage with my dad and our le- like working on that to now you have to do something to earn the money. And so we would do chores and things like that. And then he would take us out at specific times, like father-daughter dates or during the weekends to go spend that money. And he would teach us as we were at the store as well. Like he would explain things or he would remind us before we go, bring how much you want to bring. You don't have to bring it all if you don't want to and things like that. And then as we're walking around, he would help us add it up and just, I mean, it was just a date almost like a fun day with dad. Um, I think ultimately that teaches opportunity cost because, you know, by teaching you that the money doesn't go very far, you're learning that you have to pick and choose what you want to purchase, what you want to spend the money on and prioritize what you value. Yeah. And even to tangent that, the other thing that we kind of learned in those situations was if you lose it, you usually cannot get it back. Um, And so... That was a tough lesson, and I'm sure it was tough for my parents to, like, follow through. Because I see it now. You would want to just, like, give them that money that they lost. Because to them, it wasn't a lot of money. They could have the option to just give it back to you some other way. Yeah, and, but to the kid, it's like, I lost 50 cents. It's devastating back, way back then, probably not anymore. Sure. <laughs> and my dad would sit there, and, and he would teach us. He would be like, it's okay to be sad because it is sad to lose money. But this is why we learned to take care of it and keep it safe. And so then he would get like a purse or a wallet and like start teaching that. I think also in terms of if you lose it, it's hard to get back or you may not be able to get it back is good advice because of like it makes you also think about how you invest your money. Yeah. You know, Um, so that's also kind of a don't gamble with your money because if you lose it, it's gone. But invest your money wisely so that it grows and works for you and you're not just losing it. Yep. Um, So that's good advice that has real world application even today outside of just the basic like losing it because you didn't put it in a pocket or a wallet. So a phrase I heard often as a child was he has money burning a hole in his pocket. His money is burning a hole in his pocket. And probably often about me as a child, but ultimately what that means is it's a person who receives money and then doesn't keep it. They've got it spent before they even receive it. Mm -hmm. They already know exactly where it's going to go, what they're going to buy the moment they get the money. And typically people who live that way don't what's a discipline it's a skill to learn saving your money and so if it's a habit to live that way it's a very hard habit to break yes what i was trying to say though is that people who live that way often they know what they want and they go buy the things they want and forget about the things that they need oh yeah because their money's burning a hole in their pocket and they're so excited about getting this cool new thing that they forget that, oh, I also have to pay rent this month. Yeah. Or I also have to save money for an emergency. Or even just other wants that they truly wanted more. Perhaps, yeah. 
And so that's something that you need to be aware of. And my parents would teach me, don't just go spend and spend and spend and spend, or don't go spend frivolously without first thinking about what else you need to budget for. Yeah. And I know like on that, just a little bit, we don't have kids, but we were kids and we remember these things and that. And so a big part, the reason for almost this specific podcast, I guess, is just ideas out there to teach your kids. That note of what you were saying, money burning a hole in your pocket. I was kind of the opposite. I was like a hoarder (laughs) and I saved all my money and I only ever spent it on other people. Like for Christmas, I bought Christmas presents and birthdays and then I just hoarded my money. So those of you with different ranges of kids, I guess, take away this. Dad took me to the side and, and explained to me that I that money was also for enjoyment. Yeah, it's okay for you to use some of it on you. Yeah, and so there's, there's different kids, different dynamics, and it, the insight on my dad to see the difference between his kids mm-hmm. because my siblings were very much the money's burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> And because they all, only spent the money on them primarily, is what, what you're saying. They were generous, but they spent it as soon as they got it. Okay. Yep. Whereas I was, like, saving for a rainy day for whatever reason. I was too young to even know those could come around. And so he took me aside to explain that, yeah, we save and we plan and that's good. But you are allowed to enjoy the money if you have it, too. Right. And there is that balance that we have to strike in our lives. And that's maybe a different degree of balance for each of us Yeah, is how much do we spend on the present and how much do we spend on the future, you know, through investing or saving for future things versus spending on the present would be like eating out and enjoying fun activities now. Yes. And so we have to balance those things because there is that trade-off. It's an opportunity cost. If I spend all my money eating out, then I'm not going to have money in the future to go do the cool vacation that I want to do. Yeah, the Bible is big about living in today and being wise about tomorrow. Yes, about both parts of that. And that is different for each person. That's good. Um, Something else that my dad taught me as a child was don't just show off your money, not to be showy, but in the sense of like someone might try to steal your money if you're just out about and you're showing a lot of cash. And so that in and of itself taught me that money is valuable and also that there are evil people in the world. And so you need to be careful. Yeah. It's not about like scaring you, I'm sure. Right. And it didn't, I'm sure. No, it was about preparing me. Just letting you aware of how money works in some, in some certain situations. Right. And while that's a very rudimentary thing, it also taught me long term that there are people out there that want to take advantage of you just for getting your money's sake. Yeah. Um, And that may come in the form of someone who is just using you. They're only your friend because you have money and they want you to take them out to eat and do fun things and you pay for all of it. But it can also come in the form of lots of scams where people are trying to get your money maliciously. It's not always just petty theft. And so that taught me to try to be wise and be aware with my money. Yeah. Proactively. Proactively, yes. Good. One thing or another thing that my parents taught me um, was don't borrow money in general 
And then even bigger than that, as a tangent with it, was don't lend money you are not willing to lose. And the concept being like, I was the oldest and I was generous with my money and would lend it to my siblings and they never paid me back. And so my dad would say, explain like, you lent it to them. And if they, they should pay it back, but if they don't, that's how the real world works. And so it taught me to be like kind of the same situation, proactive with where I put my money mm-hmm. and who I used it with, I guess. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely don't lend money that you can't afford to lose. Yes. You shouldn't be lending out amounts that you can't afford to lose. That's one part of that. And then the other is that lending money to friends or family can put strain on relationships if you weren't willing to let that go. Yeah. If they don't pay you back. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to be aware of. And you should really think long and hard before lending money to friends or family. That was that was definitely something my dad put on with it. Like Mm -hmm. you can you should forgive them, but you also don't have to loan them again. Correct. And he would talk to them, too, and explain you should pay back. But, I mean, money's money. And he was teaching us how to use our money and teaching us to learn morals and principles rather than forcing it. Which I think, looking back, was a probably the most important thing he taught us about money. That's good. Um, my parents definitely taught me more on the don't borrow side than the don't lend side. And so my dad taught me don't borrow for a car loan early on. You know, he would teach me that when other people bought super fancy cars or something, he might mention, you know, he knows they don't have the money for that. Yeah. And that they probably got a loan and that here's why I wouldn't recommend that you do that in the future. And the reason is because most cars lose value over time. So it's easy to get what is called upside down on the loan, which means you owe more money on the loan than the car is worth. And that's really easy because cars depreciate very quickly. So my dad taught me to avoid the car loans. House loan is different because houses tend to appreciate in value over time. And so you're not likely to get upside down in the loan. If at any point you need to get out of the loan, you could sell the house and they offset and you're not having to pay an extra. Whereas if you owe $8,000 on a car, but your car is only worth six and you have to sell Now you have to come up with that extra $2,000. So that's a dangerous position to be in. So we generally recommend that you wait until you can afford to buy the car with cash to purchase the car because a car loan puts you in a rough position. If you do have to get a loan, then get a cheap car and get a loan from a bank rather than from a loan. To get to the job that you make money. Yes. Yes. Go through the bank for the loan, not the... Dealership. dealership because you will get a better interest rate. Yeah. Um, so on the same note, he taught me not to have credit card debt because same thing. Yeah. You When you borrow money, you have to pay back that money plus extra money for the fee of borrowing. That's called interest, right? Most, I'm sure most of you already know that. Uh, but he basically taught me, why would you want to pay interest? That's paying money for nothing. Mm-hmm. You get no tangible benefit from an interest expense. And so he taught me to avoid that at all costs in general um, so that you're not 
Um, Especially wasted. credit card debt. My Money. dad made sure we knew the difference between credit card interest and a car lot interest and a bank interest. Yes, and to put that in perspective, most credit cards are anywhere from 18 to 30 percent. Um, estimating, but that's roughly, I know there's a legal maximum, but 18 to 30%, a car lot is probably going to charge you 10 to 20%, yeah. and a bank right now would probably Even charge under you 10. less Even than 10. Th- yeah, probably. and that's like in the worst. If you if you have a bad credit score or whatever, yeah. you're going to get a lower rate. But all of those are different. Obviously, best case scenario is save until you can afford to pay cash. And go that route so that you don't pay any interest expense. Yes. What people don't realize is that when you pay interest expense on a car over the full five years, you pay several thousand dollars extra for that car generally. Yes. And it's substantial. All right. And then you're going to talk about this last one. I'm going to tangent on that for a second and transition. My dad kind of taught us the same thing about the loans and credit cards and all that stuff and interest. But he almost made it like a game, like from the age we were very young. And we would have, we had this old, like, old van that had, like, swivel around seats in the back seat and it laid out into a bed and it had the camel hump on top. If anyone else has seen those, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. And it was essentially a road trip trip van from, like, the 70s. And uh, he, when we first got it, he was like, look at our new car. And all of us were just like, that's not a new car. And he's like, well, it's new to us. And we don't have a payment. And so he would make it like a win. Like, we got a junker car, but it runs and we don't have a payment. Exactly. It is a win because yeah, those payments eat into your monthly cash flow. Yep. And... It's, yeah. It makes life a lot harder. And he would make it fun. We'd all just like, yay, we did it. Like, we don't know what we're talking about at three and four. Sure. But he would just, he made it a, a part of the lifestyle, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, um, so my mom taught me a lot of stuff, too. Definitely more. She, we were homeschooled, so it's more on the school side than the finance side. But one thing that I did get from her related to finances is to be generous with my money and love people. And then between the two of them, the opportunity costs associated with that, right? So think, plan ahead with my money on how much I want to spend on a birthday gift. And think about things ahead of time, like when holidays were coming up. But also just because, like my mom very much would do that, just buy a card for someone or just bring little things home. And so I think that was a big part because a lot of times people who are taught about money are either resentful towards that because it felt controlling or they turn out very rigid and kind of like I mentioned earlier my dad took me aside and was like you can yes. have, you can enjoy it too and everyone's on a spectrum between yep. a, a mega spender and a mega saver yeah um, a mega hoarder or a very generous person yes and no one spot on that spectrum is the right spot. Right. It's what is best for you and your family that you have to think through. Correct. Um, I think it is important to be generous, to be giving. If you fail to give, it creates a mentality of, I never have enough. And that's a, a dangerous mentality to have because then you will live that out. Yeah. 
um, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy more so than a reality that just is happening. Yeah. All right. So that was a few lessons we learned from our parents. I hope that that helped you and benefited you. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. That wraps up another empowering episode of the F4 Podcast. Remember, it's not just about the dollars and cents, but about building the kingdom of God in every aspect of your life. We hope you've gained valuable insights on how to navigate the world of personal finance while prioritizing faith, family, and fun. Take what you've learned today and apply it with intentionality. Together, let's sow seeds of financial wisdom and make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share it with others who are seeking financial peace and a higher purpose. Until next time, keep living F4, prioritizing faith, family, fun, and finance.